Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club, and welcome to our author, the strong and powerful Bobby Rebel. Bobby, are you ready to do this? Yes, you are too kind. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do this. Bobby is a CFP. She is the host of the Financial Grown Up podcast and the co host of the Money with Friends podcast. She's been featured on, from what I can tell, most every major outlet. She's a frequent contributor on Yahoo Finance and many others. She's the author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up Proven Advice from High Achievers on How to Live Your Dreams. I'm excited to have you on. Bobby, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motivated you to write the book. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I'm a huge fan of yours, as you know, and so I'm honored to be here. I am a former business news anchor. I started um, in business news all the way back in college doing unpaid internships and working my way up. But by the end of that part of my career, I was reporting about things that are, well, very important, um, the Fed, corporate earnings, the stock market, et cetera. I did want to do um, some other things that would expand my horizons a little bit and um, also allow me to spend more time with my family. You ask about my personal life. I am married. I have two stepchildren that are young adults, 19 and 22. And then my husband and I have a 12-year-old. So I wanted to do something that had a little more time flexibility. And thus, I became an author. I love it. Fantastic. And... You've, you're actually an alumni to the Money Savage podcast, so thank, <laughs> thank you for coming back on. Um, and I know that we talked a little bit about this idea about being a financial grown-up, but tell us a little bit about what you were hoping to get out of, obviously, writing it, but more so what you hope people get out of reading the book. I hope that reading the book allows people to focus in on what really matters to them and how they can achieve their goals. Many of most of us have the power to achieve our goals. It's just a question of deciding that that is a priority. So in other words, um, if we don't know exactly, for example, how to set up a 401k, that's something we can find out or we can find people that can help us do that. But we have to decide in the middle of whatever is our busy day, whether it's getting our children ready for school, figuring out what's for dinner, running various errands, paying our bills, somehow we have to stop everything we're doing and decide to do that. And that's a really hard thing to do. So hopefully the book gets people thinking about getting those things done. And look, I have as much trouble as anybody else. So I'm right in there with you. Yeah, 100%. And that's, I think that that's such an important way to sort of start any conversation about money is that this is something that we all struggle with. It is not unique to you or me or anybody else. We've all probably made great decisions with money and we've all probably made terrible ones. But if we want to actually get to where we want to go, um, it's a matter of, I, I like to use the word intentional. Um, and I think that, that I've heard you talk about being deliberate uh, about all of our money decisions because it's not going to happen on its own. 
So true. Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's really important to be proactive and actually do things. Someone once gave me the ultimate compliment after my book came out. They said, wow, you're a finisher. And I didn't really think I kind of did an eye roll at the time. Like, well, what do you mean? But then I thought about the fact that I do have a lot of people in my life that have said they had goals and then they just don't do it. And it's because the truth is every day there's something else that's more important. There's something that seems more pressing. And it is just really hard. And, and I, like I said, there are things that I am, you know, can improve on, but hopefully the book provides a roadmap for people and a motivation to see how other people struggle with money issues. And then we can use that to inspire us to do just a little bit better each day for our own benefit, not for anyone else, just for ourselves. Right. Yeah. And that the whole thing about inspiration, it's such an important thing. And the more we can remind ourselves, oh, that's, that's, that's right. When I read that book, you know, five years ago, two years ago when I was reading it last night, it was so inspirational. There's all these people who are out there doing the things that I want to be doing. And I know that I can do it because I see these people do it every day. So, so I appreciate that. So are there certain habits that, that maybe you see people are falling into that you'd like to help them break? Well, I can also speak for myself. I think we all fall into the habit of just getting our everyday done. And the the challenge is that we can say, well, we're not ready to make a certain decision. And sometimes uh, if you're a part of a family, the family members may not be on board with making a decision, any decision. And that can be really challenging. What sometimes motivates me is understanding that if you don't make a decision, the decision is made for you. So for example, let's say you save money, that's step one, but you don't invest it. Well, the decision is made for you that it's not gonna increase in value any more than the 0.01% or whatever you're getting in your savings account because you didn't make the decision to do something else with it. Of course, there's risk investing it. You could be negative. I mean, it can happen. Investing can be risky. Even something like, uh, you know, people, oh, there's some huge percentage of people that don't have a will. Well, if you don't have a will, you do have a will. You have the will that the, that the government says for you is your will. Your estate, whatever you have, God forbid you pass away, is going to be divided according the according to the standard, you know, quote, will, mm-hmm. the plan that the government has that is what they do as a, as a default. So by putting off a lot of financial decisions, in effect, you are removing your um, ability to make your own decision and you are abdicating that decision off into the government. So it's really important that you, if you don't make a decision, knowing that that decision is made for you and knowing that that makes you vulnerable. And so if it matters to you, even if you don't make the perfect decision, I mean, you know, for a will can be very complicated depending on your family structure, but at least even if it's not perfect, it's closer to what you want most likely than what the government would do. Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably true. Um, and I, I hundred percent agree. And the more we can help people to be empowered to, to, to make, changes to take action to not just be stuck in 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 that sort of rut uh for for lack of a better term do you think that it's it's both individuals and and you mentioned as a family maybe maybe folks aren't 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 making the best decisions or or making any decisions at all is it just because they lack a starting point is it we're, we're not good at having these kinds of conversations maybe we avoid them I think you hit on something really important that we do avoid these conversations because they can create conflict very often in relationships. One person has one style and another person has another style and they're in conflict. And so you end up just avoiding the situation and not discussing it. And that can be really challenging. And sometimes that can prevent you from reaching your goals. So 
from from the folks that you talk to is is there good advice on 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 changing that on bringing up these topics yeah, I think a lot of people do whatever works for them, but a lot of people do sort of money date nights where they sort of have this um, time to sit down when it's not in a time of conflict where you don't have some specific decision that you're fighting about, but really you have just a regular meeting. I know that my co-host on Money with Friends has these kind of meetings, Joe Salcihai with um, his wife, I believe, where they on purpose sit down at a, on a regular basis and they just take a look at their money versus just having it happen in a moment where there might be tension. So I think those kind of planned things can be really helpful. It's not something, as you can tell, because I'm pointing to somebody else that I'm doing right now in my family. So maybe I should. I think that we always learn from other people and it's really important, even in your day-to-day life, to uh, when appropriate in the, in the appropriate context, of course, to learn from other people and see, well, they're doing that. Maybe that's working for them, or maybe they're not doing that. And we can see those, you know, there's kind of some problems. So I think it's important. And that's really what inspired the format of the book is that we can learn from other people, what they're doing. And also from the things that have not worked so well in them. Many of the stories in Financial Grownup are of struggles with money and things that happened that were not good, but people, have to manage what falls on your plate. A lot of people say, oh, you know, you are so brave to go through this experience to other people. But the truth is most things happen to you and then you have to deal with them. Nobody really says, oh yeah, I wanna figure out how, you know, how I can deal with X financial predicament. Usually it happens and you find your way out of it. And I think it was really generous of so many high achievers to share their stories with me for the book. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's being vulnerable with, with, with people and, and hearing about, man, what what a horrible situation to find yourself in when in reality, we're probably going to find ourselves in some kind of a tough situation like that. And the decisions you make and how you come out of it, that's really going to dictate whether or not you're going to be financially successful. So, so I appreciate that. I mean, one of the, I'll tell you, one of the stories that really struck me was Sally Krawcheck, who's had a, she's now head of Elevate, um, which is an investment company focused primarily on women, but she had a top job on Wall Street. She was married and she um, found herself in a situation where she was getting divorced. And she, even though she had this big, powerful career, making a very good amount of money, realized as she was getting divorced that she did not even know what was going on financially in her marriage. And so sharing that kind of vulnerable story, I think is really relatable to a lot of people because again she was so busy in her daily life building her career that she really had not paid attention to her own finances and so understanding that that's normal and we shouldn't be embarrassed and we we all go through these personal struggles with our money and our spouses and whatever's going on I think that those seeing that someone who's achieved so much and is such a great role model in so many ways that she too has had her moments when she's just kicking herself and can't believe she put herself in such a financially vulnerable situation can be really um, inspiring and motivating and just comforting to know that we're not alone because we all have our moments. And, And it's really hard. I think that we spend so much time telling people you need to do this, you need to do that. And of course they should, and we do need to do that, but we're also humans and we also live our lives and we need to be forgiving as well. Not only give other people grace, but also give ourselves a little bit of grace from time to time. I think that that's a, I think that that's a great point <laughs> and something I'm certainly guilty of. So, well, was, was there anything in particular that you said when, when you actually sat down and said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write this book. What I want to do is this, but what I don't want to do is this. 
a lot of people thought that I could not write this book because the basic pitch was I'm going to get super high achieving famous people from the business world to share extremely personal money stories. And actually pretty much a hundred percent people said I couldn't, that it was not going to happen, but they're like, well, good luck with it, whatever. And I think that because I approached people, as you say, with grace, and I had a reputation as a journalist for being respectful and they knew that I was sincere in wanting this book to be something that was supportive of these you know, high achievers and really showed their best sides, showed how they came out of it. It was not critical. I mean, I have a story of Jim Cramer who's um, on Mad Money on CNBC and he talked about some really hard times in his life where he was drinking a lot and living out of a car. I mean, it was just a mess, but it was the way that it's presented is, you know, shows you that that was a moment that inspired him to be the incredible accomplished person that he is today. So, the way that these stories are presented is always in a positive light. The people are, I call them role models for a reason. They were great and they were very generous. And I think that that's what made the book a success is the positive tone. Everyone is a role model and everyone is lauded for their being candid and for their, what they did do, not what went wrong. Yeah. I love it. And since writing it has your perspective on, on, or or rather your overall experience changed. I would say I am now appreciating the flip side of the equation in that that book was written for young people who are young adults in general. After it was written, I did learn that a lot of people that were of older generations also really appreciated it because they had not had the financial foundation that they should have had. So even people approaching retirement did enjoy the book. But I'm now appreciating the flip side, which is the role that parents play in helping young people in their late teens, early 20s to become financial grownups. And in fact, I'm working on a new book called Raising Financial Grownups, which is really a parenting book about helping your young adult children evolve into financial grownups. Yeah. So often we hear about, well, I never learned this stuff in school or I wish I would have been taught this earlier on. So I appreciate that very much. The more we can be doing that kind of work and having those kinds of conversations, the better as well. Um, well, looking back, is there anything that you would have added to the book or taken out of it? I think it's always tricky when you choose specific people because people sometimes um, attach meaning to it. The book was meant to be a sort of random mix of people from many different industries, and I love it for that. I do wish I had more diversity in it. I was not successful in that. It is something that I tried to do. And it's something that we work on a lot in, uh, I have a show with Joe Salcihai that you mentioned at the open called money with friends. And one of the reasons that we have a rotating cast of what we call money friend, uh, guest co-hosts is because we wanted to bring a diversity of opinions, a diversity of backgrounds. Um, the book was really diverse in terms of sectors of the economy. I wanted to some, have someone from the insurance industry, someone from the retail sector, someone that was an actress, someone that was a writer and so on. But I also now it's also I've come to realize and I like I said, I did try with a book, but I wasn't all that successful, that diversity in terms of economic background, race, gender, age, all those things are also really important. So on Money with Friends, we have this rotating cast of guest co-hosts um, and we're going to be rotating them every four months. So every kind of season, three different seasons a year, we'll have a different cast in each Uh, We have eight people that each do four shows over the four month period and they come from a very different 
background. Um, like I said, racial diversity, age diversity is really important as well. Um, gender diversity, sexual orientation diversity. So I think different points of view are essential and um, people can get that. Um, and where we, we basically analyze news topics, news stories on money with friends. And so for that, especially, it's really important to have the, that different perspectives that I think people coming from it from different angles can really bring and add to the program. I love it. And that's such a, I think for me, what you just said there, obviously, I think that diversity is extremely, extremely important, but it's it's the perspective that the people bring from different backgrounds and different life experiences. So I think that that's awesome. Main ideas you'd like to reinforce from the book. Pay attention to your money. No one is going to do it for you, and it is part of being a grown-up. Part of being a grown-up. It's such a drag a lot of the time, Bobby. such a drag. Isn't it? I know. <laughs> Can I just outsource that whole part of my Right. Life? Man. I mean, people forget I wrote this as a journalist. I, I was not a CFP until after the book came out because people started asking me personal finance questions. But this was a researched book. I did interviews with people and I researched the actual topics, but I was not the expert in this book. I hmm. now am a CFP. But right. the truth is this was reported and it was reflective also of my own struggles. And I think that people made the assumption that my life was perfect, tie it up with a bow and nothing could be farther from the truth. <laughs> I love it. So what would you say that, uh, that your favorite part of the book is or what, looking back now, what, 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 what you're most proud of? Well, I talked to you just now about being a journalist and I do think that I was successful in getting people to feel comfortable enough that they were very candid with their money stories. Nobody really thought that I would be able to get these extremely successful people who were really busy with a lot of stuff to talk about themselves personally and to talk about vulnerable money moments. They were always available, for example, to talk about how great their company was doing. Sure. But that's not what we talked about in the book. We didn't talk about their companies. We talked about themselves and specifically their money stories. And many of them were very messy and did expose them. And they were really brave to trust me. So I'm really proud of the way that came out. I love it. Any other advice to the readers? Make proactive decisions because if you don't, somebody will make those decisions for you and you always will have something else to do. So maybe one day if you have it on your calendar to go watch whatever it is, Game of Thrones for two hours, we're going to watch it for two hours or something like that. Instead of that, just you know, cross it out on your calendar and you'd be amazed how much you can get done in a very short amount of time if you are focused. There are so many things that I personally procrastinate and I just can't do them. I had something to write last night and I just didn't want to do it. And when I actually did it, it took me 20 minutes. How stupid is it that I was procrastinating <laughs> this thing for like days and I just couldn't get to it. But really, most things are really fast. I've been trying and struggling to reorganize my house this summer. And the truth is when you go in, I tackled one small closet. It was a couple hours. That's it. It's just, it, Most things that we procrastinate are so much less than we really fear and that we're avoiding it. And so if we do Whatever it is financially that needs to get done, whether it's going into your HR system and upping your 401k by 1% or checking on where your money is or how you've been doing in the stock market and just whatever, you know, going with your spouse to create a new will if that's what's needed, whatever it may be, it is so hard to do. But when you actually do it, it's usually really, really not that big a deal. And I struggle with it too. But when I actually do it, I'm shocked at how fast it is. Just rip that Band-Aid off, people. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> do, you have, do you have recommended reading that you'd like to share? 
So I do a, so on my podcast, Financial Grown Up, I frequently interview authors and then I do a once a month roundup. So everyone, I would really, first of all, encourage everyone, it's called Financial Grown Up Guide and then it's usually called Best New Money Books for Grown Ups Right Now. So you can always just go to those and check out the latest recommendations on the most recent one, the shows that I talk, the the books that I talk about were um, Clever Girl Finance by Bola Sakumbi. That's a basic introductory book on just how to manage you know, basically what you need to be paying attention to. Cameron Huddleston's book, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, which is a really important book. And I'm a friend of hers and I watched this book come together over several years. I actually wrote a blurb for the back of Cameron Huddleston's book. And it's important because we're so busy taking care of ourselves. And then we, as we get older, we often have children and spouses and maybe we have a dog, whatever it is. We sometimes forget that our parents might need us to look out for them. And when you least expect it, they could become dependents. So it's really important to lay the groundwork so that if that does happen, you are prepared. There's a lot of things that can really go wrong if paperwork is not in place and you have to step in to take care of your parents um, physically, emotionally, but also financially. So I think that's an important book. Cameron Huddleston's Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. And then Erin Lowry came out with her second book, um, and it's about investing. It's uh, I think it's Broke Millennial Takes on Investing. And it's a follow-up to her first book. And that focuses on the tools that you need to get started investing. So those are some recent books that have been featured on Financial Grown-Up. But you can definitely check out the Financial Grown-Up Guide, um, new books for money money grown-ups, new, new book, new money books for financial grown-ups. Sorry. I, I can't even, I'm butchering my own show name, <laughs> but basically, uh, that comes out once a month. The first, usually the first Friday of every month these days, first Friday of every month, you can get some book suggestions for them. And I highly recommend also, if you're really busy, you can, uh, you can, uh, listen to audiobooks. I'm a big fan of listening to audiobooks. I also, um, love something called Blinkist, which shortens, I, I even partnered them with them for this show, but they, um, Blinkist, uh, gives you short summaries of usually nonfiction books. And that's a great way to kind of just get the information of a book. So for example, the four hour work week, which is a great book by Tim Ferriss, which I also recommend, but if you don't have the time, cause it's a pretty big book, you can listen to Blinkist and they will summarize it for you in 15 minutes. So it's kind of like cliff notes without anything bad about them. <laughs> from high school. I love it. No stigma. <laughs> right. But you get the information. So yeah. if you're really just interested in productivity, not sort of the joy of sitting with a hardcover book, you can get those shortcuts through Blinkist. So I just personally use that and, um, and partnered with them for the show. But, um, I personally do use it and it's a great um, productivity tool. Love it. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. Um, where, where else can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, first of all, of course, please subscribe to my podcast in addition to this one, and that's Financial Grown Up and Money with Friends. Money with Friends is on Twitter and Instagram at Money Friends Pod, at Money Friends Pod. So please follow there. We're trying very hard to build our baby social media accounts. And then uh, my personal Instagram account is at Bobby Rebel One. And on Twitter, I'm just at Bobby Rebel. And of course, you can find out more about the show and whatever I'm up to on my website, which is, you guessed it, bobbyrebel.com. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Bobby your appreciation and share how to be a financial grown-up, proven advice from high achievers on how to live your dreams with friends and people who appreciate good ideas. Go to bobbyrebel.com. Check out the Financial Grown-Up Podcast. Check out Money with Friends. Follow them on social media as well. Thanks again, Bobby. Thank you so much. 
And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!